0: Hello, St. Andrews. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that it is a living and enduring word, a forever word, a word that you speak to grow us up in our salvation. So we pray now for humble hearts, hearts that revere your word, hearts that long to be changed, grown up, uh, made more like you, becoming more holy because you are holy. We pray this, Father, for our good and for your glory's sake. Amen. One week one week away from the opening of the building, but more importantly, one week away from resuming uh, gatherings on site as a church family uh, on Sunday mornings. Uh, It's been way too long, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait for next Sunday. Please do register to join us on the 18th if you haven't already. Uh, If you could do that this weekend, that would be uh, a huge help uh, in our planning. And as we said last week, and we've said throughout this service, in the weeks leading up to the opening and in the weeks following as well, We want to take time to remember together what we're about as a church. We're not about building buildings. uh, We're not about COVID safety plans. All of those things help us to do what we really are about, our mission as a church. And we're using the book of 1 Peter, especially the first two chapters, to ground that mission in scriptures. Uh, It's worth turning to 1 Peter now if you haven't got it open, 1 Peter and chapter 1 and 2. And as you do, here's our mission. Here's the mission statement that we want to have as Something that's in the conversation, in the language that we speak to one another so that we know together what we're about as a church. Uh, Here it is in four statements. We are a church family welcomed by Jesus, growing by grace, declaring his praises, longing for home. Over the next four weeks, we're zooming in on uh, one aspect of that each week. Last week, uh, it was welcomed by Jesus. Uh, Hopefully, you've had time to catch up on that if you were away. Uh, or or didn't get to see the video last week, uh, we saw that uh, the welcome that we receive from God only comes by way of his word. He speaks the welcome to us. It's not hidden. It's not uh, uncertain. He speaks a word of invitation, but it's only made possible by the blood of Jesus. It's by his blood that we're forgiven. It's by his blood that we receive God's mercy and his welcome into his family as his dearly loved children. And it's a welcome that we see is future focused, Uh, it's kept in heaven for us, guarded, that's where our hope is. It can't perish or spoil or fade, Uh, but because it's future focused, because the best is yet to come, that means the present pulses with purpose, as we saw last week. And really, that's where the driving force of our mission comes from. The reason that our present is so urgent is because of that future hope Uh, Here is our, if you like, the present purpose of our mission in those two middle statements of our mission statement. We exist to grow by grace. We exist to declare his praises. And it's the first of those growing by grace that we turn our attention to today as we look at 1 Peter. Today we consider this part of our mission. We we want to be committed to growth as the agenda of our church. Uh, That is the number one goal. We're, we're, We're here to grow. Uh, The constant of the Christian life is change. Uh, That's a remarkable thing. We are people who don't like change. We don't like things to be different. We don't like to be moved out of our comfort zone. But the, the, the constant of the Christian life is actually the opposite. It's change. It's growth. God speaks a word that we're told in 1 Peter acts like a seed, a seed that's alive, that produces new life in us, growth in us, change in us. Growing up, uh, I loved spending time with my grandfather. He lived in Canberra, and every now and then I got to go down on the bus and, and visit and, and stay with my, my grandparents down there. And my, my, my strongest memory of my grandfather is of him as a constant gardener. Uh, down in their backyard, he had this huge garden bed, veggie patch, uh, enormous veggie patch really of vegetables and, and fruit. And uh, my memory of him uh, and spending time with him was in that veggie patch, watching him restlessly at work in this garden, constantly moving, stooping down here and there, looking under leaves for, for growth, for uh, change in the garden. Uh, wh- what was remarkable is that nothing happened quickly. While there was this constant work and labor on his part, uh, uh, the, the, the growth was slow, but it was constant. Uh, patience was one of the lessons that I learned uh, through those visits. Watching this patient old man go about this work, and I remember one particular morning, he he had me stand uh, uh, get uh, in front of a wall in his garden uh, where he had a passion fruit vine growing. And what I didn't know at the time is that what was going to happen over that morning is the once in a lifetime growth of a, a passion fruit flower. It, it flowers once, and it flowers over the course of a day. and So there I was early in the morning watching as this passion fruit flower over a period of hours uh, rose and grew and and, and blossomed before me. It was wonderful to watch my grandfather at work in that garden. And to be honest, as I looked at 1 Peter again this week, uh, that was the image that came into my head. God as a constant and restless gardener. That is what our God is like, sowing his word into our lives. He is restless not in the sense that he's concerned but restless as in uh, as it says in the psalms he never uh, slumbers or sleeps in his care for us he's constantly about this growth work in our lives in our church and 1 peter says that this living seed that he plants in our lives is a radical change agent in fact the most radical change agent in this world that's god's agenda for your life for our life together as a church change Growing us up in salvation, as 1 Peter 2 verse 2 says. He, he wants to grow each of us. He wants to grow us together as a church. That's our mission, growing by grace. So it's lining ourselves up with God's purpose. And 1 Peter uses a, a picture of a growing family uh, to show us what that looks like, what this mission would involve. So let's think about that together, the idea of it being a growing family. I wonder when you tell people who you are in life, Uh, how you describe yourself what's your um, most basic identity marker what what are the things that you would say of yourself that says this is who i am perhaps it's your job Uh, uh, perhaps it's your cultural background perhaps it's achievements that you made. perhaps it's your own immediate family Uh, who are you in this world Who, who who do you describe yourself as well the bible's answer is this you are a child of god That's your fundamental identity and you're not an only child either. uh, You are part of God's family. That's why he welcomed you, welcomed you to be part of his family. Do you see it there in um, chapter 2 verse 1? You've been born by faith in God's living word about his son. The son who shed his blood to bring you into this new life, into this family. You've been born into a family by that precious blood. Born into that family by hearing and receiving this word that he speaks by faith. And around you, well, especially from next week as we physically gather, around you in our church are your blood relatives. I wonder if you thought of it that way. Our bonds of uh, family are incredibly strong, aren't they? I love my family. And my first impulse in those early weeks and months of lockdown when we were finally allowed some freedoms to, to go beyond our immediate area was to go and see my family, to see them again, to not just to hear them on the phone or some Zoom call, but to actually see them face to face i wonder if that'll be our impulse in the coming weeks as uh, the freedom to be able to meet together as a church again uh, is upon us uh, Will we have that same impulse to see each other as as family as god has made us do you view this church as your family uh, jesus makes the remarkable claim in the gospels uh, when his own family, are outside his nuclear family, are outside uh, the door of uh, where he's teaching and, and they say, your family want to uh, wants you to go and see them. And he says, no, no, no. Speaking of his disciples, speaking of the church, he says, this is my family. This is my immediate family. This is my nuclear family. I wonder how that sits with you, that idea that this is your primary family now, that you have come to faith in Jesus. You know, from time to time, I, I do hear the sentiment that that uh, from from folk, I'm not particularly close to anyone in church. Uh, It's not like that for me because there's no one really like me at church or or I've got plenty of connections with family and friends. I, I don't really need that sort of thing from this group. That's not why I'm here. And so connection to church can be, well, more distant and more about convenience. But for others, this family, this church is of enormous comfort because here is a place where they feel genuine connection, genuine affection, genuine friendship and and familiarity that that perhaps is absent elsewhere. Now, wherever we're at on that spectrum, when when we come to Jesus by faith, you actually come into relationship with God as Father. And when you come into relationship with God as Father, you come into relationship with those in this church as well, his children. And the fundamental agenda in this family, again, chapter 2, verse 2, is we grow. We are to grow up together, grow up in our salvation. It's, it's a brilliant picture, really. Uh, you know, uh, I wonder if you had this uh, growing up in your family. In my family, we had on the back of one of the doors in, in one of the bedrooms, a growth chart, little pencil marks on the on the door to say how tall each of us were growing. And there was no comparison. in, it was just exciting to see the progress over time. Well, That's the picture here of us as a church. We're we're a family, a multi-generational family with with an enormous growth chart. We're all looking and watching and hoping and and longing to see growth in one another. Is that how you view our church? Uh, We're a church family. And how do we grow? Well, again, chapter 2, verse 2, we grow as any newborn does by drinking milk it's very simple isn't it the picture there but but what milk well the milk it talks about there is spiritual milk what's this spiritual milk that grows us well uh, the spiritual milk by which god grows his children is his word to us uh, uh, peter loves mixed metaphors so that that's what he does here he, one minute he's talking about milk the next minute he's talking about a word that is a seed planted in a garden the, the metaphors are all over the place but they all point to the same thing growth It's described as a living seed planted in us. You see it, 1 verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. This imperishable seed, his word, he plants in us, in our lives to grow us up. And how do we grow as Christians? We grow the same way we were born in the first place. We were born, verse 23, by the living word of God, but verse 24 of chapter 1, it's an enduring word. It's a, it lasts. It keeps going. It's a forever word. It keeps growing in us. How? Well, it's very simple. Verse 25, It's by when it's preached to us, when we hear it. And don't be put off by that word preached. Don't think that the only way you can grow as a Christian is when a minister is standing behind a pulpit like me right now and, and preaching a word, that that's how we grow. That's how we receive spiritual milk. The actual word preached here is more general than that. It's to announce, to, to speak, to proclaim, to actually, the word is to evangelize, to, to remind each other of the word about the Lord Jesus. It is a whole church activity, this proclamation, this evangelism, this announcing, and it's in lots of contexts all across the garden of our church family. I wonder if you view our church that way. If growth is the basic agenda of God's family, then the basic activity of our church has to be this speaking of the word. Let me say that again because it's pretty much the key sentence. If you've been asleep up till now and you're about to go to sleep again, here it is. If growth is the basic agenda of God's family, then the basic activity of this church is speaking this word to each other. And again, don't think just pulpits. Think all contexts. Think Sundays. Yes, the sermon. Of course, that's one of the places where we will grow. Come to a sermon expecting growth, expecting to be changed, expecting to have this word sown into your life. Uh, Think about that as as we start to gather again about the whole service, about the songs. We can't sing them at the moment, but you can still hear the words and let them dwell richly in you. Come expecting to do that. And in the conversations that we have with one another, uh, expect to hear forever words, living words from God on the lips of your brothers and sisters. Now, that's hard to do at present because we're not meant to mingle for too long. So, also think about this context, our small groups, where we can mingle in houses in small groups. We, we want the word that we hear on Sunday to follow us into the week. So, go to your group expecting to hear that word on the lips of your brothers and sisters, expecting to speak it to your brothers and sisters. And not just in our small groups, but in conversations along the way. Not just in these formal moments of Sundays and small groups, but in each other's homes, in conversations over the phone, at the school gate, or wherever you might see people, via text messages, you name it. Let us be a church that speaks this living and enduring and growing word into each other's lives. That's our mission. But, and don't miss this, because this is really important, How does this growth happen? Yes, part one is this. We speak this word. The word is preached by us. That's part of how the growth happens. Here's part two. The word is obeyed by us. Do you see how it works? The seed is sown, yes, but the ground has to receive it. has to be soft and receive it, accept it. Uh, Look with me at 1 Peter. See this uh, written all through it. It's it's impossible to miss. Uh, Right back in verse 2 of chapter 1, we are told there that we've been called, we've been chosen for being part of his church, chosen for this purpose, to be obedient to Jesus, to listen and obey this word. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 14, we are to be obedient children as our Heavenly Father speaks. Chapter 1, verse 22, we are to obey the truth of his word. This is really crucial to grasp. You can't receive Jesus as saviour without also receiving him as king, as Lord over your life. I wonder if you approach his word that way as you hear his word in the scriptures whether you approach it as a word from your king a word that we are meant to humbly heed uh, in the words of ecclesiastes uh, to go near to listen rather than to speak to go near to listen with a view to a, of obeying or one of my favorite passages in Luke 5 is, as Peter who wrote this letter is out on a little boat with Jesus and Jesus commands him to fish on the other side he simply says this uh, because you say it I'll do it do you approach his word that way because you say it Lord because you're my king because you're good because I know your purposes I trust you and so I'm going to obey you but it's hard to obey isn't it because we have stubborn hearts even with our new birth even uh, being part of this family we're stubborn it, it, it is as the poet W.A. Jordan said we would rather be ruined than changed I wonder if you know that of yourself You hear his word, you hear the call for change. We'd rather be ruined sometimes than changed. But growth is our purpose. It's our mission. It's the agenda of this place. Uh, And growth is only possible by obedience to Jesus. And so what does growth look like? Uh, Well, the first thing to notice is that any growth for a church, any growth for an individual Christian is miraculous. It's not something we do by our efforts and energies. Uh, This is not about moralism, it's about God's mercy. Uh, There's a lot of talk in our culture at the moment, I think, about the idea of a growth mindset. I wonder if you've heard that phrase. It's, It's big in education circles, it's big in workplaces. You need to have a growth mindset, not a, fixed mindset and there's a lot to commend it isn't it growth mindset thinks change is possible that we can develop that we can grow that we can adapt that we can learn new things and try new things and and lots of that you'd say yes that's admirable but the problem with most growth mindset growth mindset models is that they have at their heart a faith that human power can bring about any change we like Phrases like this that I've heard in growth mindset models that uh, my children have been exposed to. You can learn to do anything. You can be good at anything. Just keep trying and you'll get the result that you're after. But while this has merit merit in it, there's also delusion in it, isn't there? It's the logic in the end of a toddler wearing a cape who thinks they can fly. So does that mean that the Bible doesn't advocate uh, growth mindset? Instead, it, it wants us to have a fixed mindset that uh, I can't grow, or I can't change, or I'm stuck and I should just accept it. Well, yes. If it's up to you, yes, that's what the Bible would say. The, the change agenda that God actually calls on us as a church is not in us. It's not in our capacity. I wonder if you saw the change agenda uh, writ large in verse 15 of chapter 1. It says this, here's the agenda in front of us. Just as he, that is God, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. There's the toddler with the cape about to fly. You be holy as God is holy. And so it's not in us. But no, the Bible doesn't advocate a fixed mindset, a fatalistic mindset. We we believe in a God who's present amongst us as a church, who's sovereign in our purposes and his agenda for us, and he's mighty in mercy. Uh, you know, that garden that I used to visit with my, my grandfather, standing in front of that passion fruit flower, I stood there for hours watching this thing. It was spectacular, very slow, but, but spectacular. And as it began to grow and really blossom, my granny walked past and, and I said to her, how, does, how did it do that? Her answer, ah, well, that's where God comes in. And I want to say the same thing when it comes to growth. Now, we are not those who advocate a fixed mindset that we can't grow, that we're stuck far from it, but that's where God comes in. So it is with all new life, not just flowers, but with the Christian life. Do you see it? In our passage, chapter 1, verse 2, he sovereignly chose to give you life. He's in command of this change process. Chapter 1, verse 3, he did it by his great mercy through the resurrection of Jesus. You want want to change? How about death to life change? That's the sort of change business that our God is involved in. And then 1, verse 23, he calls you to life by a word that declares new life is possible by the blood of Jesus. He calls life that doesn't exist as, uh, into life. And back to chapter 1, verse 2, do you see what he gives us? He gives us his spirit. He puts his spirit in us to continue to grow this new life in us, to grow us up to salvation. It's not in us, but it's in him, his spirit that is within us. What does growing up look like? Well, two things from verse 22 of chapter 1. Uh, it will look like this. It will look like growing pure of heart, Pure of soul, sorry, and full of heart. (laughs) Pure of soul and full of heart, both in verse 22. Do you see them there? It's a great phrase, isn't it? Having had your souls made pure. Pure soul. That's what God is aiming for, for your life. He wants your soul to be pure. He intends to renovate you through and through, not on the edges, the whole thing. I wonder if you have that view of God's work in your life the view of the change that he's planning to bring about. He, he's not acting on the periphery of your life, although uh, often that's how we view the impact that the things of God can have on our life. Us oh, it's just on the edges. No, he's going for the very soul of who you are. And it, it's, he's not an adjunct uh, that's just an option that we can include if we have time. No, he's at the very soul of who you are and what you're about in this world. He intends to bring root and branch change to your life. And his word has the power to bring that about and his spirit dwelling in you has the power to bring that about how how does that change come about well we're back to where we were before verse 22 again it is by obeying this word that our souls grow pure lining up our life with his purposes do you see it there in verse 14 that's what we're to do to be holy as he is holy Uh, Rion uh, is the guy in charge of the building project that we've had going on here as a church and one of the uh, privileges I've had over the months of watching them at work is watching him especially late of a day when the other workers have gone uh, he he has amazing attention to detail he's just lining up last minute things and just perfecting little imperfections along the way just wants everything to be perfect because it's his work it's his life's work this sort of work I wonder if you have that approach to hearing God's word and wanting to line up your life and attention to detail. Let us approach God's word like that because the goal he has for us is very grand. Remember it? Verse 15 and 16, Be holy as I am holy, says God. Uh, It's a grand agenda and it's well beyond our grasp, but but it's not in doubt. That's the miracle of this. Uh, uh, Philippians 1 verse 6 puts it this way. It says, He who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion. He's not just a restless gardener, he is a relentless gardener. He will finish the work. And the project described here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 is a process of emptying our lives of things and filling our lives with things. That, that emptying and filling, that's what it's about. Uh, do you see the pattern there? Chapter 2, verse 1 therefore rid yourselves of all malice all deceit hypocrisy envy and slander of every kind Uh, it's just one of the examples that the new testament gives us of getting rid of things that's part of the growth process pulling out the weeds his word will keep doing that it will keep calling us out of such things and the more we obey his word and the more we have the spirit help us the more our souls are renovated that's exciting isn't it you're being changed by this word and by the work of the Spirit in you. And part of the way that we're emptied of this junk is being filled with something far better. Do you see that dynamic moving from chapter 2, verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 2 and 3? Let me read one again. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. You're emptying yourself of these things as you obey His word. But then this, like newborn babies, crave s- pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. And then this, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see that? You're getting rid of the junk and instead you're filling your life with, well, the goodness of God and his purposes that we hear in his word. Not just obeying his word, but growing satisfied in his word like a newborn. You know that look that a newborn baby gets after a satisfying uh, <laughs> milk drink? That's what God wants for us from his word, to be sated by it. And not just satisfied by his word, but chapter 2, verse 3, but satisfied in him. That's how we work at getting rid of the junk. That's how we grow in our willingness to obey his word. We're satisfied in him and his purposes. It reminds me of this quote by uh, George Mueller, and he said this, and I think this is us. He said, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was how my inner being may be nourished. I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and to meditating on it. Get rid of the junk, says verse one. Instead, feed on his word, be satisfied in him. And here's the thing, and we'll finish with this. The more we are satisfied in his word, satisfied by his goodness, his mercy to us, his future hope for us, the more another clear sign of growth will start to be seen in our church. Not just pure souls, but full hearts. The more we're humbled by King Jesus, the more we're satisfied by his goodness, the more you and I are free to love others because we're satisfied in him. And with a big love. Do you see it described there in chapter 1, verse 22? We're to love each other from the heart because our heart's now full. (laughs) Uh, And love from the heart is not so much about emotions. uh, the picture behind that is actually the picture of an athlete straining to, to hit the finish line. Now, what a picture of our church. The more we are, have this word sown into our lives, the more we start to heed it, to obey it, to be satisfied in Him, the more our church will be filled with those who will want to first love others, not ourselves. What a remarkable picture. What a mission. Here in the flux and the fray and the friction of life, full hearts for others. That's what He intends for us by His word. And uh, brothers and sisters, we have been welcomed into God's family by Jesus. That's a miracle, isn't it? It's brilliant. His choice it was. His calling through his word and by the precious blood of his son. We've been welcomed into a new life. And in this life, change is the constant. <laughs> welcomed into his family. Welcomed into his church. And so here together, not apart, but here together as his family, here is where he grows us. By his word. Here is where we grow by grace as we get to speak that word into each other's lives, sow it into each other's lives. And as we resume in gathering together over the coming days, I want you to see what you're part of as his family. Strain to love each other deeply by speaking this word into each other's lives. Strain to love each other deeply by having the ministry of being there, of turning up, of showing up to love your family. Come ready to grow by grace. Uh, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, your living and enduring word, your forever word. We thank you that by it you are growing us up in our salvation, uh, fixing our minds that purpose for who we are as a church. Have it in our minds as we gather each Sunday. Have it in our hearts as we meet in our small groups, as we think about how we can encourage each other along the way throughout the week. We long to be part of this growth agenda that you have for us. We long to be holy as you are holy. We long to have pure souls and full hearts for your glory. Amen.